Hello and welcome to the St. George's Garden Staff Podcast, the official podcast of the St. George the Martyr of Kailsover Parish. And that includes St. Mark's and St. Monica's. I got it right this time. A plus. Um, <laughs> uh, I am Lindsay Shooters, the host, and we are joined as always by the leader of our parish, the venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you today? Good morning, Lindsay. I'm doing well, and good morning, congregation, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, God is good all the time. Yourself, Lindsay? I, I am good. I'm always good. I have a very, one of my closest friends once said, I'm irritatingly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a good point. And that's I, a good way to... I took that, I took that as a compliment. Um, we are in the yeah. sixth Sunday of Easter, obviously racing towards Pentecost. Um, Father, if you could just call everybody together into the right mindset so we can get through these, this liturgy. Our organist uh, chose the first hymn, When Morning Gilds the Sky, and gilding is about making it shine, golden shine. What's impressive about the hymn is the action of waking up so that we may praise Jesus. And that's what worship is all about. And I dare to say even what life is all about. So the famous and important refrain during Easter is hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. I've used our Psalm for today as the call to worship and praise. Bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of God's praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer nor removed his steadfast love from me. And that is why we respond with a collect for purity. God Almighty, our lives are open before you. Come now and cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit as we seek to truly worship you and enable us to perfectly love you to the glory. And all God's people says amen our response includes a prayer of confession mighty god we confess in penitence of heart our sin and its dark consequences do not hide your face from us do not turn your servants away in anger for you who have been our help do not cast us off do not forsake us O god of our salvation with thankful hearts, we seek to give you praise. Amen. And it's imperative that the community hears God's action of mercy. The Lord who hears our loud cries for his mercy, as our light and our salvation, forgive us our sins. Let his face shine on us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The collect for the day, which we will use throughout the week, is also prayed together with the churches throughout Southern Africa, and I would dare say the continent and the world. O oh God, you reveal yourself in love. Pour into our hearts such love towards you, that we Loving you in all things and above all things may obtain your promises through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So diving straight into the liturgy, all three readings today deal with a very, very similar um, theme. So the first reading is Act. 17 verses 22 to 31 and it's Paul addressing the Athenians 
and talking about the altar that they have with the inscription to an unknown God. So as someone with very, with the sensibilities that I have, um, that very much lines up with, with my experience of, of faith. Um, it's very knowledge-based. Um, and then there's a lot of, like he goes on to tell them, to explain to them who God is and how awesome God is. And I believe that, okay, the question that I have to you, Father, actually, is why move from a knowledge-based understanding of a deity to an unknown God? I know, like, the, the problem that he had was they were representing him as um, different objects and they were praying to different statues and things. But I, I have no problems with that, that unknownness of, of, of God. Yeah. You, you, you would uh, know that, um, that if, if we take it into the area of unknownness, we, what I would say is that God is mystery, but mm. God is also revealed in, in person and in his work of creation. Um, what is impressive about this story is that Paul never judges their framework of belief. Mm. And what he seems to acknowledge for me is that within the cultural and historical landmarks, their faith is revealed. Their longing, faith being their longing for God. That, um, that in the shapes and the forms that they've made it objects of worship was a way to say, we know you are there. We're not sure how you've revealed yourself. But I, our Im Im imagination tells us that if we do this little shape, and place it here, it will give us some kind of a sacred space in which we can say thank you to you until we grow in our knowledge and you become less unknown, even though mm. there'd be mystery around you. So St. Paul, uh, St. Luke, who wrote this passage and, and, uh, and, and, and captured the story, for me says, Within every human heart, from antiquity and to whenever the, this earthly world will move to its next phase, if, if that's mm. part of the Creator's plan, the human heart has a deep longing for God, a deep yearning after God. Um, the, the psalmist expresses expresses it in the words, bless our God. Uh, so so in, in the words of worship and music, um, there's this expression of, of wanting to reach out to God from outside. Somewhere along, the unknown God is still God, even mm. though it's written with a small letter. So, so somewhere, somewhere along, there's also this deep longing to express ourselves in worship, in adoration to things beyond our, our control. Creation, we can't make the flowers and the mountains and all of that. So, you know, Psalm 121, the author looks at the mountains and he realizes deeply, where does his help come from? So, this is for me about the the expression of the human longing, the human heart longing for the presence, for the fellowship um, with the divine, however people may understand him. So this text brings into play, therefore, Paul's um, observation of what their life represented in its symbolisms, but also use it as an opportunity to then be part of the liberate, 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 li revelatory mission of God mm. by um, speaking about God, by revealing 
that this God is actually the creator of heaven and earth, things that were not made by human hands. So even our shrines fall short of the beauty of heaven and earth created by God. Um, and also okay. it reveals it reveals that God's not dependent on our uh, celebration of him, but God longs for our celebration of him. Hmm, we dealt with that very early <laughs> in our podcasting. <laughs> and I won't, I won't get into that now, because what troubles me here, though, is um, verse 31 is because he has fixed the day on which he will have the world judged by a righteous in righteousness by a man who he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So like this points to a predetermined day in the future where all mankind will be judged. Or is it more? I also interpret it as like Jesus came to judge the righteousness. <laughs> Um, or at least set the benchmark for it that we can then achieve. And I feel this excludes many like non-Christians from being able to enter into heaven. Yeah. Do you well, have any you thoughts? Know, about what image popped in my mind? Yeah. What, what, what popped in my mind as you were saying that was, um, for example, you instill in your children the wisdom you have gathered about life from mm -hmm. your family, from your parents, from their example, and your your own learning, research, and so on, and you, you give this to them, and mm -hmm. you, in a way, expect them to have heard this, and therefore know how to interpret what they have to do as they engage life. At the end of the day, you still listen to them, you review them, you, they, they are sort of, you, you hold them to account in terms of that your wisdom was meant to help them to be responsible. Mm. So, you know, when things are placed into, into, into action, saying, do you actually know where you're going and what you were doing and what the implications thereof? Um, so Jesus is sent um, uh, and, and described as, uh, one of righteousness. So he is mm. the true humanity. And okay. so those of us that follow Jesus, you know, as St. Paul says to, to the, in the second letter to the Corinthians, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. So we, although we are part of the first Adam, we, we are also part of the second Adam, the, the Adam that comes the one that comes to redeem the Adama, um, the, the human part of us, so that we can mm. be human. So at the end of the day, we then will be assessed, as it were. But um, now one that uh, the old Adam has died, it's the new Adam, the Christ, that the, the, the new humanity in Jesus, now raised from the dead, and and we will, as it were, when we look into him, do we see a mirror image of ourselves, and mm -hmm. are our lives reflecting that mirror image? So that's my response to your, your question around verse 31. I don't know if it's okay. been helpful, but that's certainly <laughs> one way for me to look at it. No, it's very helpful, and it leads into what Peter is saying in the second reading, which is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 22. But specific, like there the question that I have is, like, did humanity need saving? And then a follow-up question to that is, like he's saying a lot there, but even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. And it's like, it, uh, for me, it gives a lot of false hope to a lot of people because sometimes you can feel that you are doing what is right, but you aren't. And yeah, you can be quite, your conviction can be quite strong in your wrongness. <laughs> yeah. Our, our rightness, 
our rightness is is not an invention of ourselves by ourselves sorry our rightness or wrongness reflects the context which we grew up in and which we assumed that the language spoken and the action done is what the world is all about until we engage a, a bigger part of the world until we get into the historical manuals that have been written for our for our for our knowledge um, so it, it would seem to me that um, we cannot therefore I, I I have I have a problem with the word right and wrong because mm-hmm. they are judgmental terms what I choose to ask myself the question was was what I'm doing helpful therefore it's for mm-hmm. the common good. Uh, rather than to judge, uh, you know, because I don't know, although ethics is about knowing what is right and is wrong, um, but it takes me back to that statement that St. Luke made, or Paul made, uh, captured by St. Luke. In God, we live and move and have our being. Um, So, in a way, one could say, if there is no God, if we have no sense of God, do we have a sense of life? Do we have a sense of movement, of creativity? And, but also, do we have a sense of who we are? And so um, in, the, in the passage here, it's that our sense of what is fair and what is just and what is right and true is determined by that relationship, that sense of who God is. But mm-hmm. if, if, for example, our language and therefore our faith belief is determined by the context we create, mm-hmm. then that context that we create will be the determining factor on whether we do what is helpful or what is not helpful, what we do what is constructive or what is destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so St. Paul gives us this leeway, uh, this way of saying, you know, actually this life I'm living, the movement and creativity I have and the sense of who I am, where does it all come from? You know, mm. um, and where is, so, so that brings me to, to that text that I highlighted in 1 Peter 3, in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. So mm. in other words, you are being guided by whoever you make as the Lord of at the center of your being. So mm-hmm. if it's your money, it's going to be determined, your life will be determined by that. Um, and so in this, he says, right at the center of your being, that's where you've got to sanctify. That's where you've got to make Christ as the Lord in, uh, uh, in holy celebration, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, bringing us into this frame of in him we live, move, and have our being. So in other words, the trend that seems to be following the pattern in today, into in Sunday's readings, today's readings, would be would be the call for for us to be in Christ, to know that mm. our place is in him. And the gospel is going to reveal that as well. Mm. But just extended to that, Lindsay. Whoever is central to your life, you have a testimony about that. That's what, what follows on, on verse 15. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Hmm. The hope, the hope that is in you. You talked earlier about yourself being um, annoyingly um, optimistic. <laughs> optimistic, right? Yeah. But is optimism hope? And what creates hope within us? And it would seem as if the if if Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, and coming out of the uh, the the Lent um, Good Friday um, scenario of of the journey of Jesus, he that dealt the death blow um, to death creates hope within us. So as we sanctify him as Christ, the Christ as, as Lord, the anointed one as Lord of our lives, we then 
live our lives, not just by words, but by our actions and by our attitudes as a testimony of the hope in which that he mm. creates in us. Um, so reflecting on your word is hope, is optimism hope. Mm. No, it definitely is. So I, I have no problem with, with like any of those things. <laughs> but in these two texts, you have um, an apostle kind of preaching to a group of people and saying, like, you kind of going in the right path, but this is how you actually are supposed to worship God. Um, and uh, in this text specifically, Peter calls out the baptism, which is prefigured, now saves you not as removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience. So in the same way where, like, for us, obviously, that is then reaffirmed with confirmation, and then with marriage, the exchange of vows, and, like, that contract. Um, I believe that marriage still exists in the absence of it being sanctified by by a priest, because it's a personal choice that you make to commit yourself to another human being. And I believe in the same way that you can be a Christian without being baptized. Like, we shouldn't be so wedded to the practices of the faith, especially now in a time where we can't actually have baptisms. Um, it's all about that decision that you're making and then abiding by the laws, which will then be explained in the gospel. Yeah, what, what, what does baptism actually reflect? Baptism reflects our dying with, with Jesus so that we can rise again with him in the new life. Mm. So, so that it, it's, it's this, that sacramental, that outside um, a visible sign of dying in Christ, dying with Christ. So uh, visibly come up mm. of the water uh, uh, re renewed. For, for example, so it's, it's, a, it's a decisive point in saying I'm accepting Jesus. I'm he who, mm. who, who had solidarity with me in my sinfulness calls me now through the action of baptism into the, the life of death to sin and rising to new life because that's the life he's calling us to. So so is it, is, it, is it therefore a necessity that even if you say you don't need a priest to sanctify your relationship with the person mm. that you love, you will still, the whole ceremony of marriage itself has a sacredness about it. And mm. because there's a sacredness about it, because you're honoring each other, you are accepting each other as a gift, there is a way in which you seek to symbolize the decision of commitment. Mm. And that would be whether you put a ring on the fingers or whether you jump over a broom. Um, you are making a decisive step publicly. You know, even though you don't have the priest, but you may have the trees or, the, or wherever you are, creation yeah. is witnessing this. Right? Creation is witnessing this. Uh, they may not say, we don't think this is going to work, but, <laughs> but certainly you will use symbolism because what you're entering into with the other person and the other person mm. with you has, has an, an essential element of sacredness to it. Mm. And therefore your symbolism uh, is the is the is the visible sign of that commitment from the heart that you make? So baptism is necessary. Um, you know, there was a lady in one of the parishes I served, and it's not Saint Mark, Saint George, or Saint um, Saint um, Monica's, mm -hmm. where where she did not partake of the communion, the, the the visible signs of the sacrament, the bread and the wine. But she came to worship regularly. Mm. So, so um, and later on when we do the spiritual communion, I'm going to use that hymn, which 
comes out of the Catholic tradition, Sweet Sacrament mm. Divine, a very beautiful hymn that captures the essence of the of the sacrament. Um, you, uh, your participation in the meal is so that you can live. You can, mm. so you can have uh, nutrients flowing through your body and keeping it. Um, but the element of eating is also a sense of fellowship with others. So mm. the decisive actions we make in order that life continues. So baptism is for me in that in that vein. Uh, why these things are necessary for us to say, I'm doing this because I'm following. Like for example, um, you will not be able to leave the borders of our country without a passport. But to get the passport, you have to make a commitment to go and apply for it. Yeah. And before they give it to you, they will want to know a record of your existence. Mm. And in order to get the record of your existence, they then trace backwards, moving forward to say, well, actually, we now understand that you are a South African. You've applied for it. This is what you will use to identify. So if you don't have a passport and say, but I am Lindsay, look at my face. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to believe you. Because the symbolism of your identity is your passport. That actually reminds me of a little anecdote uh, earlier this year when I found out that I'm allergic, that I'm now allergic to, to bee stings, where I walked into the emergency room at Netcare Kales River and the trauma nurse, or at least the nurse that saw me, I was surprised that there was no surprise on her face because I was swollen to about like twice the size that I am now. Yes. And I was all red in my face. And then I realized it's like she doesn't know what I look like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And Omar um, didn't take that new photo. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, she doesn't know that this is abnormal. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, but the anarchist, the anarchist in me is always about that life of um, all of these symbols are just man-made things um, to mark certain occasions. So I'm, I'm a big believer in, in you in attaching more to the personal commitment, the deep commitment in myself, and then focusing all of my energy to keep that commitment, especially like the commitment of marriage, like every day to reaffirm that commitment, to do something small just to remind, or not remind myself, but to remind my partner that I am so 100% invested in um, this whole situation. But then... Can I, can I just yeah, come in there? Yeah. That's a very important yeah. point, to remind myself. Jesus in the Last Supper said, do this in remembrance of me. The hmm. Eucharist, therefore, is uh, calling us to be people of memory. One of the big problems that Israel has, what they kept forgetting, they kept forgetting that who they were and therefore they forgot who God was. And hmm. they forgot the... The whole area of remembering brings with it the 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 the, the reality of of um, of sacramentality of symbolism, yeah. um, and and so it so in a way to remind myself I've got to do something so that I will not forget uh, because life gets hectic. Mm. I need something to remind me. And I think that's what's important um, in what you're saying. So sorry that I had to butt in there, but I just thought I needed no, to make no. that point. <laughs> no worries. So like in that same vein, I'm, I, I'm in belief that like when, when Jesus says in, in the gospel, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Um, it's, it's more important that keeping of the commandment, like if you're saying that you are a Christian, it's not because you were baptized as a Christian, not because that day you made that decision and everybody saw it. It's because every day you keep 
the commandments. Yeah. Uh, if you look at verse 15 over against verse 21, you mm-hmm. s- he, sa- he starts verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, it says, they you have my commandments and keep them. They are the ones who love me. Yeah. I thought it was a very interesting way in which Jesus tells us what 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 would what would remind you of my love. Now the last verse says, "Those who have my commandments." In other words, I gave the commandments. You heard them. I taught mm. them to you. I exemplified them in my own life. You have seen, and you must make the assessment: Is there value? to have that kind of rule of life in your life that you will therefore and keep them, practice them, um, uh, get to know them deeper, um, become more knowledgeable and articulate about them. But remember, there's a mystery around that. Uh, mm-hmm. The more you get into the mystery, the more possibly can be re- revealed and we can only discover what is being revealed. We can only know what is being revealed. And so he goes on to say, then if you do keep them, you have them, you keep them. And as you keep them, these are an expression of your love for me, of your connection with me. Um, you know, like, for example, when... Um, when your when your when your wife says to you, "I love you," these are words that are floating out from her heart and her mouth on the air. Mm. But you have to internalize them by hearing them, taking them into your mind and to your heart, and then saying, "What does this now mean? Um, how do I then respond to 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 this?" Um, she is made an evident commitment. So when Jesus gives us the commandments, he's making a commitment to us. Mm. The the essence of the commandments are not thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The essence of the commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all Mm. your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. That's the essence, therefore. So Jesus was communicating through the commandments the celebration of love. Mm -hmm. And so the response to commandment is love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you have my Mm -hmm. commandments, you will keep them and you will love me. So... So that's the the the, the, the I, 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 I it was it was beautifully beautifully um, you know constructed for us to see mm. uh, the essence and then of course love does not stop with the earthly Jesus or the resurrected Jesus it goes to the Father so it incorporates the Trinity the community of who God is. The mystery of who God is, uh, but Jesus is the passage through which that happens. Mm. Well, it's very interesting that you then call out because I've always had a problem with. Um, so there's there's a def- definitive line between like Old Testament and New Testament, and like Jew Judaism and then Christianity. So for me, the Ten Commandments has always not sat very well on the Christian side of that line. And because Jesus came and, as said, he created new commandments, which was then love-based and not like commandment, this is how you must live your life sort of based or rule-based, should I say. So why then do we still refer to the Ten Commandments, even though it may be a lot, uh, actually quite outdated in terms of like the the philosophy that we're trying to spread now, knowing what we know now about the world, how the world functions, how people have abused certain rules and regulations to their own gain. And then like I'm lumping in that also like the problematic bits 
of like Timothy, for instance, <laughs> yeah. where there's the whole discussion about what a, a, a relationship should look like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I we've think... all but cast out by now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the old does not disappear. Old Testament doesn't disappear. Jesus said, I come not to do away with it. I've come to fulfill it. Mm. So in its Old Testament shape and form, we did not, we heard the letters of the law. Mm. What we didn't capture as we read and heard the letters of the law is the spirit of the law. What was the intention of giving the Ten Commandments to the people? Was it to say, look, and you go back, these were people who in their slavery mm. knew only that way of life. Yeah. So their whole lives were shaped by do this. If you don't do this, then you'll get the punishment of the whip or mm. even death. How would God now reconstruct the mindset? How would God liberate them from that slavery? Um, what, what, could, what, what formation do they need to actually recognize that um, God meant what he said through Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm. That's the liberating um, one, I, I am who I am. I'm the liberator God who establishes a covenant community with people uh, who shaped and formed by, obviously, if they were left to their own selves, they would regurgitate the laws they've lived with for 40 generations. Or oh, sorry, four generations. But now... God had to give them a new model of, of, of life and, and living. Jesus says the intention was not just that you know the letter of the law, because that's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. And if they thought you had mis, misrepresented the law, then you were judged by them. But Jesus says, what was the spirit of that? What was God's divine intention with the words he gave you in the form that mm. they came to you? And so I did not come to to do away with the Jesus says those words are still important because they then will help us get to the intention of them so you can't you can't write something from history and discard it tomorrow because mm. those th that account is very necessary for us to remind ourselves what was the real essence of what we have to learn from mm. that from that art articulation so um so, so for me, the old is not discarded, but fulfilled. Mm. They're very, they're very yeah. necessary. And your word, they remind you. Mm. What are you reminded when you think of your marriage? The vows you made. Whether it was your own vows, the vows that the church had written up, you still remember that those words is what you sent, and the intention of what you said through by using them was to reveal your love and your acceptance of this person and your commitment to the person. Fair enough. <laughs> but just, just, just like before... Compute... Yeah, no Sorry? Worries. Go ahead. No, uh, I was just going to equate it to like computer programming where like Windows 10, for instance, if you go into the deep dark corners of Windows 10, you'll still find MS-DOS um, code and you can still run a lot of scripts from there in Windows 10 because it's all just built on top of one and now you don't change the code base, you just add on to it. Absolutely. I was just reading something um, this morning uh, that reminded me, uh, that reminds me of what you're saying. Uh, the statement that uh, apparently has got French uh, foundations um, I, I won't be able to say the French way of it, but it says, the more we see, the more we look for change, the, the, more we, the more we seek change, the more things remain the same. Mm. So, you, you know, we want to, to, to obliterate the past. Mm. Yet, for example, now in COVID-19, that which is helping us to understand pandemics happened in 1918. 
1919. So isn't it fascinating that as much as we, the modern world, wants to do away with the old world, uh, that was in the past, as if the past mm. is in the past. You cannot have the value of the future or the present without knowing the past. So I just want to continue just to say that the one thing that I found it very interesting that given that we would do what Jesus is asking us to do in order to show love to him, he says, I will ask the Father to give you another advocate who will be with you, the spirit of truth. Mm. And when we, you know, earlier on we spoke about the DA and what they were doing in terms of the lockdown and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What we are looking for as citizens is what is the truth for us now based on the relevant researched information? Mm. The human heart longs for the truth, but not just the truth written in words, but the spirit who reveals the ultimate truth to us. And it says you know him. So it's knowledge based. You abide with him. So it is presence based. And he will be in you. So it's being based, intimate relationship with, 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 with the spirit. So it's not just a matter of saying I keep the commandments to love Jesus. It's to receive what Jesus asked the Father to, to give us. And so the Spirit is a gift, is God's gift to us. As mm. Jesus is God's gift to us, as God in creation is God's gift to us. And, um, and that, I think, is it's something that prepares us then, as you said earlier on, as we're rushing towards Pentecost. Uh, <laughs> this wonderful gift. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting that you make mention of that because I intentionally say that to kind of convey um, Pentecost as being, or at least in my mind through this exploration of faith, Pentecost is the spreading of the final truth about what the exit strategy is out of this whole situation. Um, I, I, I purposefully covered it with a lot of I encrypted it like that uh, just so that it can be revealed like maybe in our final um, episode before we can gather together again uh, but carrying on with what you were saying earlier I just need to make it very clear that right now the truth is revealed in the empathy of the person speaking it so what John Stiernazen did for instance in the interview with SABC um, where he was asked, which people did you consult? Which South Africa did you consult? It's important to understand that, like in a, in a trivial, in a trivial situation like smoking, for instance, where this has become, as we said last week, the catalyst to the whole discourse right now, is cigarettes are a non-essential, and in areas where there are, there's not a lot of money to go around. These things get shared more freely through a community. So one cigarette yeah. will pass through three or more mouths so that everybody can get a scape of the cigarette, you know? And like, this, is hap this happens. You see this happen. And mm. if you had to sell cigarettes tomorrow, the first people in the queue will be the people who can least afford to, to, mm. to buy it. So... If someone is telling you that government is taking away your freedom and there's no scientific, or at least there's no, they, or calling into question the rationale, without them knowing that that reality exists and how dangerous that is for a viral pandemic that is spread through human interaction, um, they're not really empathetic to the broader society to people who they are into situations that they are not part of and i i still maintain that the discourse right now is between people who want to protect the rights and privileges that they have because of their wealthy situation 
versus people who are actually trying to create solutions that benefit the majority of South Africa. And yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I just find it very irritating that like you need to explain <laughs> this yeah. to a lot of people. I think I think that um, you know that's always been um, the case. Uh, Desmond Tutu used the word that there are more people of goodwill than there are people of ill. So mm. so in a sense, there's m- many more of us trying to ensure the common good, what is beneficial for us all. The truth, the truth, uh, you know, sometimes amongst those who don't have many resources to themselves, for example, in the light of cigarettes. Mm. Um, it is that little scape is a source of comfort to some mm. of those people. That's the truth that exists. So if I just get a yeah. puff, I would have, I would have, um, I would, I would be comforted. I, I was read, I'm reading a little book, um, a novel on how, um, and how this guy tries to help prisoners who've been unfairly in, unfairly pr- imprisoned. And he sees this one guy and how shaking he is. And in the space of the conversation, this guy's had four cigarettes that he brought, that he brought to, to he brought him a packet. What was really interesting is that every time he took a puff, this guy could see how calm this man became. Mm. So some people see cigarettes as, a, as, as may not be an essential, but is a, it is a calming effect. And what is yeah. more is that I can share this with something else, but there needs to be reasoning in here. Mm. Because as the Minister of Health said, they, 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 the people who smoke the Zol um, hand it on to one another and they don't realize mm. that the spittle on there is a carrier. So unfortunately... Mm. It's a, a real issue, um, and each of us will have to sit and say, you know, do I really need all of this? Those that have amassed wealth, I'm not saying people shouldn't be rich. I'm just saying the wisdom of all of that uh, is that your brother is suffering, your sister mm. is suffering, and your wealth has come as a result of unfair practices, particularly now mm. in our context. And so so I hope that those who are wealthy and think that they have they have the voice to speak must really begin to walk in the shoes of those of their brothers and sisters in suffering and pain. Mm. Thank you. That's a, a, a lot more articulate than I in terms of being sensitive. I've, I've never been accused of being overly sensitive <laughs> to the feelings of other people. Um, and I, I do apologize for my stern tone earlier, but that just that hit a nerve in me that is really, wow. <laughs> Every day that nerve gets hammered and hammered and hammered. Um, but Father, since um, we are now reflecting on a lot of things, um, can you just take us through some of the prayers um, of, the, of the church that people can reflect on in this week? I think, you know, our conversation, as, as always, leads us into saying, you know, we've said all of this, but really we need to speak to God and in speaking mm-hmm. to God to listen to God. And so, as always, we remember the words of the, the song from Teze. We cry from the, from the earth, O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us, come and listen to us. In our prayers, we celebrate Jesus as the risen Lord and ask him to fill our hearts with Easter joy. In the scriptures we read earlier on, The author says, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. So for this week, we pray, love of the Father, love of the Son, abide in your church. As you think of the church, at the moment, scattered rather than gathered, or gathered in different way, the prayer is still relevant. Pour out your Holy Spirit of truth. And challenge the narrowness of our vision and charity. 
in spite of how we are at worship, let us continue to praise and adore God, whether known or unknown. Loving Father, you challenge the structures of the world with a justice that reaches beyond self-interest. Please keep us faithful to the ways of your commandments. Loving Son, you challenge us with a new standard to live by. Confront us with the consequences of our actions and lead us to repentance. Please restore in all people the image of your glory. Loving Spirit, breathe upon your frail ones, your life-restoring presence. Please raise us up to sing of your goodness and of your mercy. And so we hold before God all who have died. And in this uh, week, we think of Donald Cora, who passed on, and we think of all others who have died. Um, bring all the departed to the place of refreshment and peace, and bring comfort to those who mourn their deaths. Bring us all to share in the life you give. And so we continue to pray into the context of COVID-19 with increasing numbers of infections, with increasing numbers of those who've died, with increasing challenges of sufficient resources for those who have to care for the people with COVID-19 in hospitals and homes. But we also pray this prayer with thanksgiving for the number of people that have recovered from COVID-19 effects. In our prayers, we, re we remember also how we are to balance this all with the economy. We think of the people who are unemployed. Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. I greet you with the peace greeting, the peace of the risen Christ be with you. The, the organist planned for us to sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. A very favorite hymn for the church, particularly at a time when we are so unassured of many things. So we go into the liturgy of the Eucharist. And I'm going to use a hymn to, for us to capture the essence of spiritual communion. My brothers and sisters, the Lord is here. God's spirit is with us. Lord, silence all voices in our hearts but yours. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. And that is why we can approach the sacrament of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus, almighty and everlasting God. Because his flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. So as we savor spiritually, imaginatively, by faith, the blessed sacrament of the body and blood of Christ, enacting communion spiritually through the words of the hymn, Sweet sacrament divine, and go to the web 
to the t- YouTube and listen to it being played and sung by others. And I'll read the words as our receiving of the sacraments. Sweet sacrament divine, hid in thine earthly home, low round thy lowly shrine with suppliant hearts we come. Jesus, to you our voice we raise, in songs of love and heartful praise, sweet sacrament divine. Sweet sacrament of peace, dear home for every heart, where restless yearnings cease and sorrows all depart. There in thine ear all trustfully we tell our tale of misery, sweet sacrament of peace. Sweet sacrament of rest, ark from the ocean's roar, within your shelter bless, soon may we reach the shore. Save us, for still the tempest raves, save, lest we sink beneath the waves. Sweet sacrament of rest. Sweet sacrament divine, earth's light and jubilee, in thy far depths doth shine thy Godhead's majesty. Sweet sacrament, sweet light, so shine on us, we pray, that earthly joys may fade. Sweet sacrament divine. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ. And in receiving of the sacrament during this, we, during this time, we, we hear those beautiful words of the hymn, Love Divine, or Love's Excelling. The sacrament reminds us that love was divine, love is divine, and that love excelled for us. So we give thanks to the Lord who is gracious. And we thank you that in Christ you have spread a banquet of abundant life before us, invited us to eat and drink with him, our shepherd and the guardian of our souls. And to this we make our commitment. Father Almighty, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice in Jesus Christ our Lord. Send us out into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Send us out into the world reminds us of our need to move from levels to levels in the stage of COVID-19. But not without wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit because we want to live and work to God's praise and glory. So may the Lord bless us with wonder at creation's glory. May God bless us with fury at creation's spoiling. May God bless us with courage at this critical hour. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon us and all, all creation this day and for the future to come. Amen. I dismiss you, community, with these words. Go now to love and serve the Lord. <clears throat> go in peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We go in the name of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we remind ourselves that in the spaces we operate in, live our lives in, that the sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord will always be there. And if I could see the sweet expressions on each face, I, my, my, my life will be so much more fuller. But I remember your faces and I know it's the presence of the Lord. So may the sweet Holy Spirit, that sweet heavenly dove, stay with you, fill you with love and for blessings. Let us continue to lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that God has revived us as we 
journey through this life, knowing that in Him we live, move, and have our being. God bless you and thank you for tuning in. Love from the victory.